0: Almighty God, living, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for this awesome day, a day of of joy for us as a church, as a body of believers, that you have given us, O Lord, Father, yet another child, your daughter. We thank you. We just want to thank you, Father. We just want to thank you, Father, for the gift of life. We just want to thank you this moment in time, O oh Lord Jesus, come at Priyanka and Abel into your hands, O oh Lord. Be with them and the baby. Thank you, Father, for all of us over here. Father, even as we come to you, O oh Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will build us up, O oh Lord. Father, you said through your servant, Peter, coming to him as living stones to be built up into a spiritual house, that we might become a holy priesthood that we might offer unto you spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Oh Father, this evening, build us up as living stones. Build us up, O Lord. Give us the words of life. You and you alone, O Lord, have the words of life, not me. And this evening, O Father, I surrender each one of us into your hands, beginning with me, O Lord, that you would empower us to hear your word. You would give me the grace to speak your word with clarity that you would keep me from error. And Lord, you would open our ears, hearing ears, that we might just not be receivers of your word, but will be father doers of your word. Give us grace that, you, that we would receive with humility, with meekness, the implanted word into our hearts this evening. Anoint us afresh. Grant us grace, we pray. Come into all of us who are on the way, that you would bring them safely to this sanctuary. We thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen. One pastor was uh, speaking a couple of Sundays back, and um, was mentioning about Christianity being is transformation. It's not reformation. So I just want us to remind ourselves as certain things that we possibly have learned some time back. Some of you are new. Some of you are old. I and mean, that is the word of God is always fresh. Amen. It's always new. I just want us to look at that particular passage for a tour. today's meditation from Romans chapter 12, which talks about transformation, verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So how do I get transformed I get transformed by the renewing of my mind. That is what leads to transformation. Transformation is from renewing of your mind. If my mind is not renewed, I will not be able to prove that which is good, perfect, uh, acceptable and the perfect will of God. If If God shows us his will before we get our minds transformed, we may not like it. Therefore, we need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just wanted to make a couple of observations here. I like the word transformed, because it appears only a few times in the entire New Testament. First observation. The word transformed um, comes from the Greek word metamorpho. Metamorpho? Have you heard metamorphosis? We've studied it in biology, right? Right? Metamorphosis, how butterfly turns, I'm sorry, a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Metamorpho, a complete transformation. There's no comparison whatsoever between what it was and what it would be. Absolute change. Interestingly, it occurs only four times in the entire Greek New Testament. Four times only. For a couple of times it's mentioned in, 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 in the Gospel according to Matthew and Gospel according to, to uh, mark and particularly in gospel according to matthew chapter 17 verse 1 i want to look at this particular passage which look at look at what it says uh, matthew 17 verse 1 onwards after six days and after six days six days from when it's very interesting you read 8:16, chapter the chapter 16 and the last verse you'll not know what he's talking about six days it's like it's like this right gospel according to john starts uh, this way it says uh, uh, when when the first uh, chapter is over of gospel according to john the next chapter chapter 2 verse 1 will say after three days there was a wedding three days from when And We looked at that in several contexts, but just look at that you can just extrapolate that uh, that that idea here after six days six days is a number of days of creation on the sixth day man was made and man was marred I mean that's what I'm trying to read from the uh, from the text over here after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led him upon a high hill upon a high mountain by themselves and he was metamorphosized before them completely changed they were blown away by what they saw peter fell on his face and opened his mouth and god said shut up it's completely he didn't know what to say completely changed he showed them a glimpse of how he was going to be in glory a complete transfiguration took place I want to connect that to another place as i as i said that it's mentioned four times in the entire new testament to quite a couple of times in the same passage the same context uh, in matthew chapter 17 and mark's gospel chapter 6 if i'm right romans chapter 12 transformed as mentioned and the other time it's mentioned the only other time is in second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of god you see are being transformed, metamorphosized into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, the whole objective of God is to transform us, in other words. To transform, completely change the way. How is he our life? How, and how is he going to do? He's going to transform us by renewing of our mind. So that's our first observation, which I wanted to make, was that it's mentioned four times. It's a complete change. There is no comparison between who you are and what you will be. That is the reason why it says in Second Corinthians chapter five, it says. Behold, for any man who is in Christ is a what? Is a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. Everything about us has become new. Complete transformation. That is his will. Observation number one. Observation number two. In order for me to be transformed, to be transformed is to exchange my way of thinking to God's way of thinking. That's what transformation is all about. Understand? Understand? Okay? So, how do I get transformed? Simple, no? Exchange my way of thinking to God's way of thinking. Is it as simple as that? Let's see. What are the difficulties? What are the roadblocks that we might face? Not might face, that we will face in this journey of transformation. This is exactly what God tells through Prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 to 9. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, meaning change the way you think. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. He doesn't stop there. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts are complete therefore a complete transformation has to be has to take place and it is something which we need to constantly keep doing so what is it about the mind that makes this job of transformation difficult you see what is it about the mind see uh, one of the things i've been learning of late is to Asking God, Lord, let me speak the language of scripture. Compare scripture with scripture. Just observe where else is this word renewed mentioned in the New Testament. So, what is it about the mind that has to be changed or renewed in order for us to be transformed? You got that, everybody? What is it about the mind that has to be changed or renewed in order for us to be transformed? And this is, by the way, the call of everybody to be transformed. We with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into the same image. Those whom he has, he has foreknown, he has, he has predestined them to be conformed to the same image. That is God's call for everybody. That we will start thinking the way God thinks. It's amazing the. The audacity, if I can say that, use that word, the the confidence of of Apostle Paul when he is writing the book of Corinthians, the epistle to Corinthians, he says, we have the mind of Christ. We have it. And God says, absolutely. If I were to write scripture, I would write exactly what you are writing. Your mind and my mind, we are thinking exactly the same. So write it as scripture and it will be read throughout eternity absolutely completely transformed how is it possible that a guy who was actually the enemy of the church a persecutor a blasphemer a murderer an insolent man how was he completely transformed you see there is only one perfect example in the new testament of a transformed mind it is not even jesus because jesus did not need any transformation jesus was perfect who was completely transformed was Paul. He was supposed to. He was a man who was absolutely transformed, so confident that he says, "Now the time of my departure is here; a crown of righteousness is ready for me." Boy, what confidence! And he says, "It was not me; by the grace of God, I am what I am." First Corinthians chapter fifteen. So what is it? What is it about the mind? That needs to be changed or renewed in order for us to be transformed is a question that we need to pose. It's found in scripture. You need to understand something, you know. Bible, unlike any other book, its analysis of the human mind is so perfect. No other book comes close to it. He will tell you exactly what the problem is in order for us to overcome. He will give you the exact description or uh, diagnosis of the problem. So what is it? Before further suspense. Any more suspense? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. You know this is a very interesting word. Assuming. Paul is saying, I'm writing and I'm assuming that you understood what I said. I hope To put off your old self which belongs to, verse 22, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and verse 23. Very interesting. And be renewed. You see that? The same word coming. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What in the world is that? You know something? You read uh, the English Standard Version and the KJV, they are so different in some aspects. There's a verse in Psalm 119 verse 130. It says, the entrance of your word brings light. You know, The, 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 the picture is this, no? The guy is entering through a door, the door opens, boom, the light is there. You imagine that scene, yeah? The right, you go through that door and Jesus said, I am the door, you come through me and you will see light. The other translation ESV says the unfolding of your word brings light. Powerful. It's a super translation. The reason why I like it is because once Krishna was talking about this, he says, unfolding is like when you go to Chandana Brothers. So how does unfolding happen? I want to buy the sari. He unfolds one sari. Unfolds another sari. Another, another sari. Three, four saris you wanted to buy one sari and because of the unfolding over there you end up buying more saris oh boy it's beautiful embroidery it's exactly that is a picture the unfolding of god's word brings light and it's exactly what paul is doing he's unfolding to us what the problem is he says be transformed by the renew by, and and be renewed sorry and be renewed in the spirit Spirit of your mind. Boy, mind as a spirit? So in order to understand this, let us look at another translation. See, I am not against translations. I am enjoying every translation. When I started, I said only KJV. But now I have learned. Okay. How much I have lost. (laughs) Because I have closed myself to different translations. Look at what it says. In the NIV translation, verse 23. And to be renewed in the what attitude of your mind what does it mean the mind has an attitude no that is very interesting isn't it it's not like you know uh, we are all some of the some of us are software engineers software engineers okay so what do we do we want a program to run so what do we do we enter the instructions on the hard drive or the ram the processor takes the instruction depending upon the architecture with which the processor is made. It takes instruction by instruction, instruction by instruction in one straight line. It will execute the instruction and it will give you the output. Because it doesn't have an attitude. Because it's a dumb thing. You see? Unfortunately, the human mind is not like this. God does not like this. So what is it? In other words, you cannot say, exchange God's way of thinking I'm oh, sorry, my way of thinking with God's way of thinking. How does God think? Instruction number one, two, three, four, five, execute. Not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Because we are in an algorithmic generation, we need algorithms. Step one, step two, step three, repeat. What does it tell me? It tells me it. The mind has a posture. You know, remember, whenever I Uh, whenever I read the word posture, one picture comes to my mind. Where did you see that? Vivekananda, thank you. (laughs) Like this. It's called the Vivekananda posture because he's Vivekananda. He's very wise. He has a posture. That's exactly what he's talking about. The mind has a posture. Oh, what does it mean? It not only has a view, it also has a point of view. Not necessarily bad. You see? Third observation, it has a pattern or a discipline of thinking which is, used, which it's used to, and it's very difficult for it to say, How can I give this up? That's a point. You see, that is a problem with the human mind. It's got a spirit. What does it mean? It has an attitude. That means it has a posture. It has a point of view. It has a discipline of thinking. A discipline of thinking. You know, there's a word for disciple in the Bible, in the in the Hebrew uh, Testament, where we use that word in Hebrews chapter fifty, verse four. It says, "The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, or an instructed tongue." But the original word comes from the Greek uh, Hebrew word "limud," which means a discipled tongue. Okay, a disciple tongue. Lord God has given me a tongue of a disciple all our children will be discipled of God. Great will be their peace. Another place it's used, can a Ethiopian change his colors or a leopard, his spots? Can you change who are used to doing evil? The word used is discipled again can you people who are discipled to do good can you do evil because you are used to that pattern of living that kind of a lifestyle because your mind has a mindset what does it have it has a mindset ok you say Vijay where do you find this in the bible it's there in the ESV ok not in the KJV so much it's in the ESV look at what it says in the ESV Romans chapter 8 verse 5 for stop there why is this for what is before for for before for first before for four. this is a, a reasoning okay paul is structurally step by step by step he's giving you logic because because why because for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death For what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh. God has done by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in my flesh, in his flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit. Because. That's the connection here. See? We'll look at that later on. Because those who live according to the flesh have set their minds. There is a mind set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds. There is a mind which is set on the things of the Spirit. See, that is a mindset. There is a problem. That is the problem. That is precisely the problem. We all have a mindset. Set, bent upon a particular way of thinking that is the reason why the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of those mindsets if you will if i can use that term goes goes on to say in uh, romans chapter 8 how do i know how do i how do i detect if i have a mind which is set on the things of the flesh and if or if i have a mind uh, set on the things of the spirit how do how do i know how do i know very simple romans chapter 8 verse 6 will say for it this for is the evidence For to set the mind on the flesh is death to spiritual things. But to set the mind on the spirit is life to spiritual things and therefore it brings peace. Oh, that's That's very interesting. What what, What do you mean by that? How do I know? If I have a mind which is set on the flesh or set on the spirit, do I have an appetite for Spiritual things, which is growing every day. See, Pastor was talking about the the new covenant. The parallel between uh, in First Corinthians chapter ten was talking about the parallel between the old and the new. How they were all baptized into Moses, we also were baptized into Christ Jesus. They were all. Uh, Saved from the penalty of sin when they applied the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost of the house. We also are saved from the penalty of sin when we also by faith apply the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of our heart. They all overcame positionally at least the power of sin when they went through the waters of baptism. We also overcome the power of sin when we also go through the waters of baptism. There is four P's in Christianity. God takes away the penalty of sin. God takes away the power of sin. Third thing, He takes us away from the presence of the sin. But before He takes us away from the presence of the sin, how is He going to manifest the, the breaking of the power of sin in our lives? How is He going to do that? One man of God says, the way He overcomes the power of sin, He takes away the pleasure of sin. That is the reason why it says in the book of Romans chapter I'm sorry Hebrews chapter 11 it says Moses instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season chose to be called a Hebrew slave why because he was fighting the pleasure of sin with a greater pleasure he was finding pleasure in God so the way we overcome the power of sin is by fighting the pleasure of sin with a greater pleasure You see, So in other words, how do I know that my mind is set on the flesh or on the spirit? Do I find spiritual things pleasurable? Very simple. When four of you sisters meet or brothers meet, what do you talk about? Very simple. I took that as a challenge in my life. Whenever brothers come to me, I don't make a conscious decision, but it automatically happens. You all talk about scripture and by the time you're so fired up. Right? Isn't that something? Absolutely, no? The other day when, when I, t- I went to the airport to, uh, to pick up Eric, he got into the car. <laughs> it started off. It was absolutely seamless. We never had it, had to make a conscious effort to talk about spiritual things. No. It was seamless. Ah, should I come to the Bible study? Rakapote. Ah, should I do these problems? You see, you know, uh, I I like the abacus. How many of you know the word abacus? Have you heard of the word abacus? Yes, I like I like abacus precisely because I didn't use it when I was a baby, when I was a kid. You see, now I'm I want to solve simple. Subtraction using the abacus. I'm excited. and it gives me so much of pleasure just to see problems being solved. You know, that's exactly what God does. He says, "You know what? It's, it's actually in First Peter chapter two, verse 24, if I'm right. Christ himself bore our sins on his body, took it upon the tree. So that we should no longer live to sin, we should die to sin, but be made alive to righteousness. What does it mean? He says he solved the biggest problem. He solved the biggest problem. And he gives us a pleasure in solving small, small problems. You know, like it's like this, no? The other day Abigail was there, and I told you, right? University of Abigail teaches me a lot of things. Uh, Abigail Abigail is in the in, in her desk in the office in her school. She saw a small ant. Black ant, which doesn't even bite. Papa, black ant. Girls, right? Okay. Papa, black ant. And we have another girl coming. Okay. Papa, black ant. And you know what I did? Black ant. Problem solved. Now you go to it. You see? The pleasure of problem solving. That is the reason why we want to teach children right from childhood the pleasure in reading. The pleasure when you read and understand and comprehend. Boy, what pleasure. The pleasure in problem solving. That's exactly what God does. He takes away the pleasure of sin and gives us the pleasure to do righteousness. Changing our mindset. And therefore... And why is this problem? I said, it's an attitude problem, right? Verse 7 gives us uh, an idea. Chapter 8, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's the problem, you see. It's called an attitude, you see. For it does not submit to God's law. That's the word. Indeed, it cannot. You can't even try To make it work. It's not going to do. It's not going to happen. See that's the genius of Christian ethics. Like John Piper would say. He's not going to change the fruit. In order to make the tree good. Oh suddenly let's love. No it's not going to (laughs) happen. He's going to take away the tree. And he's going to give you a new tree. And then you will automatically bear good fruit. So for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot Therefore those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So you can connect this verse to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 which says without faith it is impossible to please God. So what is it to walk by faith? Is to walk in the spirit and not walking walk according to the flesh or in other words having a mindset of the spirit is essentially walking in the faith, walking in faith and not by sight. You got that everybody? It cannot The word submit, so, so difficult. Difficult word. Who likes submission? So, you know, God solves all these problems for us. Because submission is a major problem for us. How many of you find submission easy? Hmm, Difficult. Very difficult. Very, very difficult because we have an attitude. And I will talk about those common attitudes that we have in daily life before we finish today, hopefully. So let's move on. So Galatians chapter 5 verse 17, we'll also talk about another attitude of the mind. For the flesh desires, you see that word again, I like the NIV. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do what you want to do. And therefore, a mindset of the flesh which NKJV or KJV will call a carnal mind, has three attributes at least, or three attitudes. It has a rebellious attitude or a rebellious spirit. It has an unyielding, stubborn mindset and it has got desires which are contrary to God's desires. That is the reason why the psalmist will say, Lord, at your right hand, there are what forevermore? pleasures forevermore. How am I going to enjoy the pleasures forevermore? The law of the Lord is this, the statutes of the Lord are this, the etc, etc, etc. Enjoy God. And then you'll find that there are pleasures forevermore at His right hand. So the way to overcome a mindset is not to give it extra information and algorithms. No. It is to give us a taste of pleasure in obeying God. That is the reason why when Jesus came, he said, Lord, sacrifices and burnt offerings, you did not desire. A body you have prepared for me and I delight to do your will. I find pleasure, O Lord, in doing your will. But, so we know that our mind has an attitude. Therefore, what motivates this change in our lives is a question. How do we change therefore? What will cause us to at least have a desire inside of us to change the way we think? That's the next question. Answer is there in the same uh, passage of Romans chapter 12. Look at it. A renewed mind which results in a transformed mind is motivated by experiencing the mercies of God. You see that? Why should I think the way God thinks? See, what I learned in my life as a believer, God woos us by his mercy. He does not use strong arm tactics. Okay, 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 I'll believe. No, it's not going to happen. That's what children do. Okay, 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 I'm sorry. Twist their ears. Okay, 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 I'm sorry pray before you, have your food, won't wash your hands, stand up, sit down. I'm sitting down, but in my mind, I'm standing up. You see, you see, see, because these are strong arm tactics of the enemy. That's exactly what even the enemy does. God does not do it. He doesn't twist our arms to obey him. He's never going to do that. He is not God. He's a father. So how does he do it? He lovingly shows us who we really are. <laughs> because, because if he, if he, if he does any other way, we'll run away from him. That's the beauty, right, of the new covenant. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of God, full of grace and truth and of his fullness we received Grace upon grace, the truth of God causes us to run away from him. But it is the grace of God which draws us towards him. That's exactly what happened to Moses. Moses saw, he saw the, the bush on fire, but it did not been consumed. He saw the holiness of God, the truth of God. But he also saw the mercy and the grace of God. And he was drawn toward that. That's what he does. He shows that is a mystery of incarnation. That is the reason why Paul will say in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Great is the mystery of godliness. The first aspect of that is God was manifested in the flesh. And we beheld his glory. You see, sinners and tax collectors were surrounding him. How is it possible that the most holy man on planet earth... You should run away from Him. But you had been drawn toward Him. You know why? Because they saw hope in Him. They saw grace in Him. They saw truth in Him. They saw the mercy of God in Him. And they saw the love of God in Him. And they were drawn toward Him. And I believe He always speaks to to us the truth in love. You see? He speaks to us the truth in love. He'll never show us what we really are. Because we'll run away. You see? That is the reason why when uh, Mount Sinai came, the Ten Commandments, they were all afraid. Moses, Moses, you go. We will stay here. Scary. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But the problem here is, no, the other day I was uh, <laughs> in a meeting. I don't want to mention the person's name. And he said, to have the mind of Christ is to think what Jesus thinks. And he used a very interesting illustration. He said, when you join a company, okay, or rather, let's say a new boss comes to your company, what do you want to know as an employee? How does your boss think? What makes him angry? What makes him sad? What makes him unhappy? In our culture, we don't care, but it's okay. But it's there, at least to a certain extent. Right? He said, Jesus loved something and we should also love something. What is that? Jesus loved to be with sinners. Yeah, true. So what does it mean? Jesus loves to be for, and the inference drawn there was very obvious inference. He didn't say that, but you know, the spirit has an attitude. I mean, the mind has an attitude, don't you? From, from, you should be knowing by this time a mind has an attitude the spirit behind that statement was I can continue to be a sinner and still Jesus will love me no that's not why he came to, to the earth he said you shall call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from there Sin, sinners will not continue to be sinners they will be transformed that's the whole idea So few examples as to how he woos people. I love, this is very close to my heart. I'm sure you would have also experienced that when you read this passage. He, uh, this is Luke's gospel chapter 5, where Peter has, Okay, he worked hard the whole night and he caught, how much? Nothing. God allowed that, so that he can show his mercy. And this is what happens. When Simon Peter saw it, he saw this incredible catch. He fell down at Jesus' feet. And he's saying, depart from me, O Lord. From I am a sinful man. And immediately Jesus answered, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. From now on, you'll catch men see, God woos us in his mercy. And that's exactly what he says in Hosea chapter 2 verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I'll bring her to the end of itself and I will speak tenderly to her. You know that when you encounter God, that you didn't deserve to be consumed in his wrath. But he speaks kindly to you. Kindly. That is what Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Goodness of God leads us to repentance. And what is repentance? To change your pattern of thinking. To begin to change your pattern of thinking. How do I start thinking good? God encounters us with His holiness and with His mercy. And He says, you know what? It's okay. The times of ignorance... I have winked at. That's, that's KJV, you know. I have winked at. But now, I'm asking everyone at every place to change the way they think. And you need to understand therefore, from this one of the biggest truths i have learned is that it is impossible for a man to repent on his own even repentance is a gift from god even the ability to repent to change your mind when i ask some people what is repentance in your in your in your language many people in our old in our languages will say use the word paschatap and in our telugu it is there's a very interesting saying paschatapan Minchina? there's no greater sacrifice or or a gift than a paschata. That means you're feeling sorry. No, 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 no. Just because you're feeling sorry doesn't mean you've changed your mind. You could be feeling sorry for several reasons because you have, uh, what, uh, what do you call, it? Uh, you have uh, experienced the consequences of your sin, and therefore you're sorry. Change of mind is. Man, maru Manasu in, in Hindi, it's beautiful. <laughs> change the way you think. It's a, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. How do you? What do you mean by that, Vijay? Can you prove to me from Scripture? Absolutely. 2 Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-five. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, because every mind has an attitude. Correct those in humility and in love. If God. Perhaps will grant them repentance. Change of mind. God has to grant it. It's an act of mercy. Got that everybody? Therefore repentance. The ability for you to repent. Is a gift. It's a miracle of God. You did not have the ability to solve the problems on your own. God gave you a new mind. Completely. A new mind mind. That is the promise of the new covenant. Look at what the, the new covenant precisely uses these terminologies. We know this in several times and putting it in context. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days says the Lord, I will put my laws where? Where? In their minds and write them on the tables of their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And where is this happening? Where is this happening? This is not happening outwardly. That's exactly what happened in the old covenant. Outwardly the law was given, but nobody could keep it because inwardly they were not changed. It is deep inside. He's going to do a deep work inside of our mind. He's going to convince us with arguments. He's going to convince us with his love. He's going to convince us with his mercy. And he will say, you know what? This is the way I think. Did you think? Lord, I can't. Okay. You can't. I'll give you the ability to think. I will write it. Boy, what a god! And therefore, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. You know why? Why we do not lose heart? Why, why should we not lose heart? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It is a slow process. And we all despair. I despair every week, every day. Oh Lord, no Lord. I'm not able to do this. Lord, I'm not able to forgive. Lord, I'm not able to do it. Despair. And thank God for that despair. Thank God. Lord, I'm not able to forgive. The inward man is renewed day by day. It's a step by step Slow process, but if you uh, cooperate with the Spirit, you don't have to. It ha- doesn't have to be slow. See, that is the that's that's an in- incredible thing about about spiritual life. One of the things I have learned in my over over a period of time, just not from my life, observing several people. If you want in spiritual walk, you can progress within a matter of six months, or three months, or two months. It all depends upon you. Your desperation. Lord, I want to change my mind. You see, that is how God works. He says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. To declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, so beloved brethren, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your mind. Because you are, and therefore do this. Abstain. He does it inside, not outside. That's the old versus new. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Where is he doing it? The outward man is perishing. Inward man is being renewed. Just keep that in mind. I'm going to talk about something very interesting here. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12 onwards. Since we have such a hope, we are bold. We do not fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Sound mind. A mind that has the ability to change. That's what it means. God has not given us a spirit of bondage which takes us back to fear but a spirit of adoption by which we cry out Abba Father the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit. You see? Not like Moses who would put, put a veil so we are bold not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end the end of the old covenant. Look at this The next verse. But their, what was hardened? Minds were hardened. You see, see, they left Egypt, but their minds were absolutely hard. Their thinking would not change. That is the reason why it says, God gave them the request of their flesh, but sent leanness into their soul. What is it? Essentially into their minds that they had no ability to change anymore. But to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it is taken away. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Then the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. A lot of things here, but I just want to read those verses and I want to draw a few conclusions. Just a few conclusions. Sorry. <clears throat> and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being Transformed from one degree of glory to another, slow, step by step. The reason why I use this context, the outer man and the inner man, is because of a brother right here who gave me a book. He said, Pastor, you should read this book, The Breaking of the Outer Man and the Release of the Spirit. I said, watch money, I said, Pastor, this will change your life. I said, okay, fine, I'll read it. And I started reading it. That book is by Watchman nee, by the way. Breaking of the Ottoman Release of the Spirit by Watchman Nee. Alright? And if you read that book, you will not be the same again. Everything will change around you. What did I say? <laughs> Everything will change around you. Because God will do something to affect that. If you are hungry. And this this is... Because the transformation is... I am using that in the context of what we are starting here. Right? He says... What when he says, "In order for us to be renewed in the outer in the inner man, the outer man has to be broken." And he uses a very interesting illustri- illustration. He uses this illustration of this Mary who comes and breaks the alabaster flask of ointment and the whole room is filled with the aroma. And he says, "Unless you allow your outer man to be broken." You see, we all want a transformed mind, but transformation happens not in the outer, but in the inner man. And if you want the transformation to happen, the outer man, what is that outer man especially? What is that outer man? The outer man is all your thoughts your, of the flesh. It is it's essentially the flesh. And he gives a very interesting example to, 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 uh, to reinforce that argument. He says, When your outer man is broken and the inner man is being renewed, you don't even have to speak any word. The life automatically flows. Every action of yours will become spiritual because when you're doing it, you have a mindset of the spirit. And he gives us an example of the Shunammite woman and Elisha. He says, Elisha is walking by this road. And every time he is passing by that way, he goes to the Shunammite woman's house and he has a meal. Okay? He doesn't do one Bible study, one miracle, one message, no sign, no wonder. Just passing by that road. Okay? Every time he goes into the house, he has a meal. And he goes back. Now the woman observes the way this man is conducting himself around the table and she uses this very powerful words to her husband. She says, I perceive that this man is a man of God. And watch when he says, Elisha's outer man was so broken that the very act of eating and drinking was releasing the spirit because he had a mindset of the spirit while he was eating. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. And it is used in the context of eating. You know, I was stunned at the way that entire illustration went by. See, that will not come home until you experience it in your own life. And I'm not flattering anybody here. This is just for the sake of argument. I mean, this is just to reinforce the point. No flattery. Don't think it is flattery. Okay, just no flattery. We had to go to the registrar's office. And to get some few signatures to register our trust, okay, sub-registers office, you know, government office, how everything works. So I got everything done and I said, Pastor, let's go. Pastor and two witnesses, okay. In the mouth of two witnesses, everything gets established, okay. So we all went, this guy Abel and uh, Kiran were standing there and I was sitting and there was one lady who was helping us to do the whole thing. The lady was saying, get this document, get that document. I got all the documents, was running around. I said, pastor, you please sit, sit here. I'll just get this done. And everything was over. All the fingerprints, everything was over. And, and the lady looked at me and she said, you know what? I have a fee. I looked at her. She looked at me. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll just ask my boss and come. The boss didn't open his mouth, okay, till now. He was just sitting there. She said, no, 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 no. Don't ask him. You give. (laughs) And I looked at her. I am running around. This man is sitting and he's asking me. And that is exactly the day when I started scolding in my mind, Eric, for giving me that book. I learned a very interesting lesson that day. When your outer man is broken, you don't even have to say anything because of upset pattern in your mind, your very life will start flowing. And this is not to flatter anybody, I'm just giving you a live example because it came home to me, you see. What does it tell me? We all look at the outer man. See? Preaching. Ah, ministry, how I wish I could stand behind the pulpit and captivate the audience. We are all a captive audience, and that is an insult, by the way. It's not a. <laughs> it, it's it's not a it's not a uh, commendation, okay? When, you, when people say you're a captive audience, you should just hang your head in shame. Yeah. I wish I had that. No, 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 no. But we don't look at the, the inner life. God says, if you want the out, your mind to be set on the things of the spirit, I have to break you. There's no other way. And something else Very powerful. Watchman he uses in that book. He says, Mary breaks it. Judas is upset. You will understand. Every time you are breaking your outer man and saying no to your flesh and yes to the spirit, there will be a fleshly man sold out to the world who will always oppose you. Always. Use some Great language. Religious language. Watchmanis says, you know what? Jesus said something very interesting. He said, be quiet. She has done this for my burial. She has anointed me for my burial. And Watchmanese makes a very powerful observation. After Jesus died and he was buried, people took ointments to anoint his body. By that time he's gone. He's gone. No more ability or no more opportunity to anoint the body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ which is a church. You want to serve the body of Christ. You want to be a servant brothers. You have to be broken and you have to be broken fast because a day is coming when the church will be taken off and you have no opportunity anymore. No opportunity anymore. No more opportunity. And Think about it. Think about it. So many opportunities within this body to serve. To serve. And we get offended easily. Think about that. And a time will come. No more opportunity. Even if you have the heart. So what does God do? In order for you to have that submissive mindset. What does God have to do? He has to put you through the ringer. And he does that. Particularly if you are his child. That is the reason why. The next few minutes I'm gonna talk about it. Give me ten or fifteen minutes and I'm done. First Peter chapter two. I'm gonna talk about four instruments God uses to break the auto map. First Peter chapter two. First, in order to learn subjection, be subject. Simple, no? So first Peter chapter two, verse thirteen. Be subject f- for whose sake? for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, what? Freedom! Free! I remember Methodist Youth Fellowship having, Freedom Party! What are we going to do? Are we free to play any kind of music? Free! That is not freedom. John Piper gives a very interesting statement, definition of freedom. He says, "True freedom is the ability or the opportunity to do what you love to do when you, when what you love to do is what you ought to do." Okay, several things. True freedom is the ability and the opportunity to do what you love to do when what you love to do is what you ought to do. Recently, I was there with my friend. He said, Vijay. Some of our friends have become free, man. What do you mean free? They made a lot of money. They put all the money in the fixed fixed deposit. They have their own company. Freedom. That is not freedom. Yes, there is freedom there. Why? Because you have the ability and the power to do what you love to do. But is that what you ought to do? No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. So look at what he says. Live as people who are free. What do you mean by that? Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Who's the emperor? Nero. What does he want? Taxes. So, pay him. Don't have an attitude not to pay. Remember, the very old advertisement, the... Income tax department used to play on TV those days, interviewer, sir, have you paid your taxes? This is a professional. Okay. Have you paid your taxes, sir? Why should I pay my taxes? Have you seen the infrastructure? Have you seen the medical condition? Have you seen the educational system? Why should I pay my taxes? Stop. You may give any number of excuses, but you know what is right. Pay your taxes. (laughs) i was like bob that's that's exactly what it means i know i know i don't want to name a man man of god he was really powerfully used but he would not pay his taxes because he was always upset as to what is happening with his taxes oh they are using my taxes to do this and to do that i don't agree with that i'm not going to pay my taxes he was in jail powerfully used by god in jail because he would not pay his taxes After that, a wife left, family left, came out, oh, my wife left, I'm getting remarried again. Who asked you to not pay your taxes? Caesar needs taxes, pay them. Don't show off an attitude. Subject to him. Jesus gives this interesting illustration. Why? You are a free people, Baba. You don't understand that. You're free. You're free to do what you ought to do because what you ought to do is what, uh, you, what you love to do because what you ought to do is what love to do is what you ought to do. Matthew chapter 17 verse 25. What do you think Simon? Because Peter's entire epistle is based upon his experiences. What do you think Simon? Whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said, Then the sons are, what are the sons? Free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. When you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Jesus paid taxes. I pay taxes. Got that? Simple principle. Don't show off an attitude. Another institution which we don't like. Be subject to every human institution. No. First Peter chapter 3. Likewise, wives, Be subject to not other man's husband, not another husband, but your own husband. So that even if some do not obey the word, they without the word will be saved. Hey, don't preach in other words. Don't preach. Obey. Submit. And to attract them, let not your adorning be of the external man the braiding of the hair the putting on of gold jewelry and the wearing of clothing don't try to attract him with that so a, you know that in other words even if your husband says what kind of a dressing is this come on change it some miss it don't 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 say anything don't say anything don't try to attract him with the dress in other words don't yield to that and say, okay let me find this dress it because my husband life said no 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 you are subject to god you are free be quiet. Don't give them a Bible study. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, they will be changed. Try it. See, that's the reason why, see, there are arguments in our mind. Lord, to this, moron Lord. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I'm speaking somebody's mind, the spirit behind your mind. You have an attitude, you see this moron. yes I kept that fellow to break your outer man why the next verse let your adorning be the what person the hidden person because I want to break your outer man and I want to release a spirit that is precious in my sight that is precious the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit you know what you don't see that. You know what? You do not see that. But on that day, when you are transformed, boy, what glory that will be. Just because you had a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit, it will have an external manifestation of the inner man. And people will fall flat on their faces and they will praise you. For this is how the holy woman... Who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. When did she call him Lord? Oh, when my Lord is so old, will we have children? You're all adults, right? It does not say the Holy Spirit came upon Sarah and she conceived. Something happened. And she submitted. You see? And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And I, I'm telling you this because scripture is like that. You see the equivalent of Abraham and Sarah in the New Testament in Elizabeth and Zechariah. Right? Zachariah, you are going to have a son. Old. Will I have a son? You will be dumb. It does not say Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she conceived. He had to convince his wife with a dumb mouth. Outer man was broken. Inner man was speaking. That is the reason why, that is the reason why 1 Peter chapter 3 will continue to say, likewise husbands. You see? Because you have to be subject to every human institution and the institution of marriage is more honorable than every other institution. Every other institution. Live with your wives. Yes, we will say, understanding way. KJ, we will say, according to knowledge. No. Showing honor to the woman. We have forgotten. We are a generation who forgot chivalry. We are a frustrated generation. Since they are... Airs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers, your inner man should not be hindered. See that? Very important. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. <laughs> Baba, all of you have a sympathy toward one another, brotherly love, tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. But on the contrary. Bless. For to this you are called. That you may obtain a blessing. Why again? What motivates us to perceive her in this endeavor? What motivates us? There should be a motive, right? The next verse. I, on, on, uh, this is not in order. 1st Peter chapter 2 will give us a motive. Verse 21. For this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you. He suffered. He wooed you with his kindness. And he gave you an ability to change. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself. You see, it's a slow process. You cannot just entrust yourself today and forget about it tomorrow. Continue entrusting yourself to him who judges righteously. Then, then. Your outer man will be broken. And what happened on that cross when the outer man was completely visibly broken? The first words that come out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And therefore, do this. Everybody is silent. So am I. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Grant us grace, O Lord, to perceive her in this endeavor. Father, it is not going to be a one-day process. We know it. But Lord, give us the ability not to give up. A mindset which will not give up. That we will fight this good fight of faith. We will arm ourselves with this pattern of thinking. As your scripture enjoins us. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, Amen.